0: Momentum, helping men succeed in life.
1: Well, welcome to uh, Momentum. It is uh, Tim and Des with you once again. Des, it's nice to have you, uh, well, not back in the studio. We are at other ends of the country right now, but it's nice to be doing another show. And we've got um, an amazing, I was going to say young man. Maybe he'll take that. I'm not sure. I mean, it's always nice to be called young when you get to our age. But um, his name is Justin Gange. Uh, Justin, welcome to Momentum. Hi, Luke. Thank you so much for having me, Tim and yes, I don't mind being called young. So, Justin, uh, I mean, uh, we'll get into the story. I mean, some, some people may have even heard your name, recognised your name. You've, you've had a few moments in TV and you've been a bit of a personality around the place. But let's, let's go back to the, the very beginning for you. You, uh, you hail from New Zealand. And um, tell us a bit about your childhood and, uh, and how that was for you. I was born at an early age, Tim, a um, little country
0: town <laughs> called Auckland, New Zealand. <laughs> Um, there, there should be a viewer warning or a listener warning there'll be a, pl- a plethora of dad jokes coming out. Uh, but I, I grew up in the, in the south of Auckland, and um, I guess the, my hero, my hero growing up, was my dad. He was one of these people that one of these these blokes that everyone loved him. You know, he he had the annoying habit of, of agreeing with everyone. <laughs> so, you know, he was that sort of person. But everyone loved everyone loved him. Everyone loved him um and he'd throw um he'd throw a hangi down for those that don't know what a hangi is it's like you're having a feed you dig a hole you put your hot rocks in it and you cook your food cover it up with dirt and everything like that so he would do that for the whole neighborhood and the whole neighborhood would come around and we'd eat and we'd drink and we'd sing um he'd bring the guitars out and we'd just sing as a community um and i loved it i loved the fact that everyone loved my dad and and i wanted to be like him and um and as a young person, I sort of really wanted to emulate that, and that's that's when I probably first got into um, singing. I chased hard after um, wanting to sing, wanting to make people smile, wanting to be like my dad. And, and so, from a very early age, I started singing in, in, in pubs and clubs around around South Auckland, around uh, the, the top half of the North Island of New Zealand. And um, yeah, that that was that was the the, the kickoff for me. Um, and and um, I loved it. Loved uh, it, it. Filled all of my cups, and um, it was something I loved doing. Beautiful.
1: Mm. Uh, ironically, though, Justin, you know, and by your own admission in your story, you say that you struggled with low self-esteem. So tell us a bit about that, because obviously you've got this admiration for your dad. It sounds like your, uh, you know, your, your family was relatively stable in that sense. So where did this sense of struggling with low self-esteem and your identity come from?
0: Yeah, really 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 good point. A mum and dad that love loved me then and love me still today, you know. I still get calls from mum, oh I'm praying for your son and all that, you know, just just really good, good people. So I, I it it was hard to explain why I went where um where I went. And I I suppose I was um involved in a, a um you know, I was involved in thing and pubs and clubs well before I should have been in pubs and clubs and so I I, I, I struggled, I guess, with that transition to be a young person in a, a grown-up sort of environment, um, and and I guess the industry itself is is pretty well known for um, you know you have good times and you have tough times, and so you're very insecure about making sure that you know you're getting the next gig and all that sort of stuff, and so I had that a lot as a young person. Then add um, hormones, add all those sort of things that young people go through. <laughs> it was a pretty um pretty well inflamed um, you know, cocktail of events that, that led me to actually trying to take my life. Um when I was just thirteen. And um it was, you know, a case of you know, I was drinking and um all of the things that, you know, that we talk about and I don't glorify that sort of stuff, but that's where my life was at. And so I would drink, I would party, I would perform I would sleep in, I would drink, I'd party, perform. So that cycle um, led me down a really, really narrow rabbit hole and, um, and, and, and to the point that um, between the ages of, of 13 and 16, I've attempted to take my life um, five or six times as, as well as having a breakdown and um, all, all these sort of things that, that saw me go in and out of hospital, um, in and out of um, psych units and psychiatric hospitals, um, all before I was seventeen, so it was it was a pretty full on time as a young person. Yeah, living living life real hard, um, but the downside of that was uh, it left me pretty empty and hollow.
2: One of the things you mentioned, uh, Justin, Wars in your, in your comments is you live behind a mask. Yeah, I, I
0: guess for, for any performer, well, whatever you do, um, there is that element of you know you you step up and perform, and, and a lot of the time that performance is a step away from where, where you really are. And mm-hmm. so, it, you know, um, I learned really well how to perform and, and I kind of incorporated that into some of my everyday life, not on the stage, not in the public eye. And so it became a um, a real um, barrier for me to actually um, let people know where I was at, to to actually um, say, hey, I'm struggling here, I need help. And I would put on that, that mask and, and pretend like everything was okay. When all reality, it wasn't, and um, and I was struggling.
1: I think, um, you know, just in bigger picture, I think a lot of us, to some degree, can relate to, to wearing a mask or masks at times for a whole bunch of different reasons, and we just don't want people to know we don't feel safe. You know, we don't want to share that part of our lives with other people, and so we, we, we wear a mask. For you, you said, I think, that you were 13 when you first tried to take your life, which, I mean, is very young, so were you aware at that stage that perhaps you'd been wearing the mask and that you were struggling? Did you have that level of, I suppose, acknowledgement and awareness or was it just a combination of events? Yeah, I'd I'd probably lead to that
0: culmination of events. And I think that, um, you know, all all the, um, if we talk about the Swiss cheese model, all the holes lined up, you know, relationship breakdown, probably the tipping point at that stage. And, um, you know, this is, you know going through um inflamed things that I shouldn't have gone through as a young person um and and so all of those elements led to to a, to an action at the spur of the moment i guess as a young person um and and that changed through you know the, the, that has changed throughout my life um mm. but it it's it's um you know yeah we we all we all do put on that mask to pretend like everything's okay from time to time and Um, although I'm still young as you said at the start there I've learned over the years um, the value of being transparent and being
1: open and honest
0: with where I'm at um, Mm. and, and that's been something that's been so important to me in this journey
1: Justin, how did your family feel at this stage when they could see the struggles that you were going through what effect did that have on your parents, your family and your relationship with your family?
0: Yeah, Look again, I love my mum and dad. And, and they, they were going through, um, you know, as as a parent now, I, I reflect, oh, mum, how did, how did you guys put up with me through that? And and they said, well, son, you know, they they went to groups like, um uh, called Tough Love. Um, mm. And they were told, you know, if I came home drunk, I was to lock, lock me out of the house and call the police and that sort of stuff. And, and, and mum and dad's only advice for me that I have tried to pass on to my kids' son, we couldn't do that. we loved you too much, so we kept loving you, and we kept praying for you and And sometimes you know you can be the the best best parents on the world um but everything's out of your control, so you just gotta leave it up to god and and just keep keep loving your kids and that's um yeah, so that's a lesson that I've learned from mum and dad and and I know and, you know I still talk to them today, and they, they go, oh, son, we were so worried about you we we were so upset, but we just kept turning up and we kept loving you know, and we kept praying for you. That's all we could
1: do. So obviously, you know, you mentioned the word pray there and obviously your family was a family of faith then, I'm assuming, Justin? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. And um, and, it, and it was kind of all through um, this journey that I, I actually um, came to know the Lord. So I, I was 17 in a, a, um, a psychiatric institution, in in the middle of the North Island called Tokanui. I don't believe it's um, a hospital anymore. Um, But back then, I was a 17-year-old in a psychiatric institution. I wasn't given a diagnosis um, as far as having a mental illness, but um, I was treated for manic depression and alcoholism as as a 17-year-old. And it was in that hospital um, that I got a letter from my cousin, who was a, a guitarist in a... A Christian band called the Newsboys. Yeah, they they, yeah, wow. they they were playing in America at the time, and um, I sent him a letter. I said, "Look, I'm in that I'm in a hospital um, where our grandmother was. So our grandmother had schizophrenia, and she was in that same hospital. And I said, I'm really struggling. And um, a month or so later, um, I got a I got a letter a response from him, and he said, "Look, Justin." Ah, oh, you don't have to go through what you're going through. All the things that you're trying to fill your life with—relationships, with, with relationships and drugs, and alcohol, and all that—they're they're not filling that empty void. Um, God can fill that empty void in you. And um, and and like most teenagers, <laughs> I I showed everyone the um, the letter in the hospital and uh, and, and sort of mocked my cousin, so to speak. But um, but underneath all that mask. I've tried everything else. Um, I wonder what's this about? What's he talking about? And so I was released from hospital um, a week later after receiving the letter. I spent three months in that uh, that stint. And um, I started going um, to a little place. Uh, I lived in Mount Maunganui, which is uh, in the middle of the North Island at that stage. And um, there's a little Calvary Baptist church just around the corner from our house. 20 people in the congregation, mm. so I thought no one would notice me there, so I sat in the back seat, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, no one's going to notice me, I'll be all right, and so I just started going along, and, um, and um, the, the, the minister, you know, every now and then he'd, he'd have a quick quiet chat, and, um, and and it was one of those churches where the minister actually lived out the back, so it was a little church, and, and they had their house out the back sort of thing, and he said, look, you know, come over tonight and, and we we can sit down and any questions you've got, I can answer that. And so this happened for a few weeks and then and finally he talked about, you know, uh, Romans 10, 9, you know. Um, and, and I gave my heart to the Lord in that little Calvary Baptist church in Mount Montanui, um mm-hmm. a, as a 17-year-old. And, and, and that, it wasn't lightning bolts, it wasn't anything like that. It was just like, ah, oh, peace, peace. It was... A piece that, you know, all the white noise that I've experienced for years before as a young teenager it, it was kind, kind of silent. And, um, and so was, that was the start of my faith journey.
2: You're listening to Momentum with Tim and And today we're speaking with Justin Gange from Mates in Construction, an organisation that works to prevent suicide within the construction industry. We pick up Justin's story as he begins to look for help with some of the challenges he's faced in life. I was trying
0: really hard at that point. It, 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 you know, it was like oh, I'm really trying to fix myself. I really didn't like being in that that hole that I was in, um, and and that's quite exhausting when you're doing something in your own strength. And so at that stage, it was the case of, um, oh wow, there's, there's a, it, it it was a sense of not needing to strive um, as, as I was learning more and more about um, my faith and and what that was about. And it was was really, really interesting. Um, It it was at that stage, probably a week later, that I started getting all these opportunities. I didn't understand that. I was was certainly happy about it as as an entertainer. It's like an opportunity Mm -hmm. to audition for um, professional theatre up in Auckland um, for Porgy and Bess, And then I, I got another opportunity. My cousin returned to Brisbane, and he said, look, we're starting up a new band in Brisbane, you want to come over and and try out um, for for a singing role, and so it was like, wow, all this opportunity. I wasn't, I didn't reach out for it. It just came to me. It was like, um, it, it was almost like a test, and and um, and and I I didn't know which way to go for, so I prayed on it, and um, and and I guess the the, the one thing that really stuck out was coming over to Brisbane and um and trying trying out for this band now. I did that. I came over and I um, I tried out and I stayed here for a couple of months. I only had enough money for a one way ticket, and um, <laughs> and and look, it wasn't that great, <laughs> but I'd, I'd really hooked in with a great church, and that kind of was that that to me said, okay, this was the reason to get you over. But here is what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Y- you know what? Sometimes the wind directs you. You know, sometimes God takes you down. Certain paths, because he sees the bigger picture
2: for your life. Isn't it amazing how that happens? And I think we all can do that. Look back in our lives and say, you know, when I look back, I can see the whole roadmap that God had laid out. And no, we didn't yeah. see it at the time. It's quite clear when you look back.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. My GPS was totally different, mate. Like, you know, <laughs> but um, but here we are. Here yes, we
2: are. So, tell us what happened after that, uh, Justin. When you were you came to Australia, you were doing band stuff. And then you met your wife.
0: Yeah, she's how lucky is she? Like seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, we. I, I was going to a um, a church, um, Garden City Christian Church. So, I'm not go back there in, um, uh, in, in Queensland and in Brisbane. Yes, and um, we we're in youth group together. Um, loved it. I, I was on the evangelism team, so I'd be going out to the Queen Street Mall and. Preaching with Mad Dog Mudford and going into prison, sharing my testimonies. All those years the, the, the devil had taken from me, I was now being able to use as, um, as a testimony to, you know, how far God had brought me in. And so I went into Bogger Road, I went into and I went into all these prisons, and I shared my stories at Boys Town and stuff like that. So really powering on and... Um, just just love and life. I was was leading worship there at Garden City at one stage and and all the musicals and stuff like that. But God was just just blessing me time and time and time again. It was was incredible. And um, my wife was a dancer. And so those musicals that I was talking about, you know, if anyone remembers the singing Christmas tree and things like that that they used to put on back in the 90s. And um, so we used to perform together and... um, and and there was one particular show that um I, I always had my eye on on Marnie, um, but all my mates, you know, brought me down the ground and said, Mar, she's out of your league, buddy. Um so so, so I never thought thought of it any more than that. But I remember one Christmas musical, um, she was always at the exits that I was coming off stage from and it's like, Oh yeah, okay, everywhere I look you're at and um and it was um that was that was the um the, the moment, the end of that. Christmas musical I I held her hand and um, uh, one year later we're engaged the year after that we're married and 27 years down the track that lucky lady has still got me so,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's awesome. Justin what we're going to do is uh, we're going to pause you there because we want to come back next time and talk a bit about how everything in your life was going really well until around right about 2012, 2013, and there was a significant thing that happened that then put you on a different path for a little while, and we want to come back and talk about that in the next series. But before we, we let you go this time, um, just quickly tell us, because now you're, uh, you're attached with Mates in Construction, um, and we, we just want to quickly give you guys a bit of a mention before we, we round off this episode... Tell us very quickly about Mates in Construction, what you guys do, and how people can perhaps reach out if they feel like they need to.
0: Yeah, look, Mates in Construction is a a mental health and suicide prevention charity. So essentially, we we work in the construction industry, the trade industry, anyone in that blue-collar sector that that might be doing it tough or struggling. And our commitment is we, we, we want to engage the industry, train them up so they can notice when their mates struggling. How to have a conversation with them, how to get them to help, and so yeah, part of what I do there is, is I'll go out and I'll train people, but I'll also support people that are doing it tough, that are in crisis, that are struggling um, for whether it's circumstantial or whether it's mental illness. It's um, something that will support them and get them to the help that's available. So yeah, we have we, got a one three hundred number one three hundred six four two triple one, and that's for anyone in the industry that, that, that's struggling or doing it tough and. Um, we've got some amazing people being able to uh, talk with them connect with them and link them up to the services or support that they need whether that's you know lifeline whether that's um, their church whether that's just someone that they trust and um, and so yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a privilege to be able to walk with people sometimes in their darkest moments and be able to see them navigate through to the um, to the good side of things yeah.
1: we're chatting with justin Gage uh, hearing Justin's story but also if you'd like to uh, check out uh, the Mates in Construction website, it's mates.org.au. That helpline, again, is one three hundred six four two triple one, And you can again uh, find details online at momentumaustralia.org as well. Justin, we're going to leave it there for today. Thanks for sharing your story thus far. Looking forward to hearing the next part and how things unraveled but then came good again for you. We'll chat to you all soon, Justin. You take care. Thank you.
0: For more information, go to momentumaustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org.